Hi, welcome back to PH Expanded. Hey, thank you for reading the blog this morning if you have. Uh, that was a uh, tough write. Um, frustrated today. I'm sure you uh, are frustrated too. Uh, and the frustration continues onto this podcast. I want to just talk about refereeing and VAR. And I've got some thoughts, I think, that are fair, not knee-jerk based on today or even watching the Premier League this weekend with all of the shocking decisions. So, first of all, I always start with a sliding doors moment which will lead nice and um, comfortably into this conversation. The sliding doors moment clearly was Martinelli's goal. Now, there, I have to admit that there is a fair shout, in my opinion, that that was a foul. I, I wouldn't have called it a foul. Paul Tierney didn't think it was a foul. I think that Christian Eriksen slows down, delays, and uh, there's contact. But as we all know, not all contact is a foul. And so let that be said. However... What ensued afterwards is ridiculous because, like I said, Paul Tierney thought that it was not a foul. Um, However, VAR thought that it was potentially a clear and obvious error. That's their remit. It has to be a clear and obvious error for them to get involved. But actually, they didn't think it was a clear and obvious error because... They took way too long to decide for themselves. So they've gone and sort of hung themselves there. A clear and obvious error should take sort of a couple of viewings from, or maybe just one viewing from all of the maybe four angles, just to be sure. And honestly, what should happen if you're going to have VAR is that that should take place in the 15 to 30 seconds that it takes the team to celebrate and get back to the halfway line. In fact, let's be real, by the time the ball leaves the guy's foot or head and goes in the goal and kick-off, restarting the game, it's closer to a minute. So they have a whole minute to look at video. And still, we sit there twiddling our thumbs, waiting to see if a goal is going to be allowed. Almost like they want to be the star of the show. Huh. Now, it took them way too long to review, which communicates to everybody else that it cannot possibly be clear and obvious. So they are re-refereeing the game. That's not their remit. That's not what their job is and what they're supposed to do. It's almost an arrogance to say that I want to, me in the VAR booth, Lee Mason it was today, uh, from Manchester, of course, uh, I want to affect the game because I'm Lee Mason and I want to have my opinion heard. Hmm. Well, what happened happened, I suppose, and that has completely swung the game. And I will be fair to say, again, that that could have been a foul in my eyes. I can see 
if that was the other way around, that I would be upset that that was possibly a foul. Possibly yes, possibly no. But that's sort of the point, isn't it? It's not obvious. It's not clear. And the way that the rules are set up right now means that you have to give that. And we don't have to wait for two minutes for you to decide to give that. Another thing that irritates me with the whole world of VAR is the insecurity of the setup. You know, they now have um, referees, professional referees, referees that would ordinarily be on the field watching the VAR. I think that changed, didn't it? So we're supposed to really trust these guys because these are, you know, Lee Mason could have been out there on the field. He was the day before refereeing a game. So he should know what he's doing, right? Okay, well, when you employ somebody, those guys are being paid, right? When you employ somebody to say, hey, I need you to go do the VAR today. This is where you go and it's what you do. And, oh, by the way, we don't trust you. What? Yeah, yeah, we don't trust you. So, you know, just give us your opinion. And then what we really do is we trust the guy on the field, you know, I know he doesn't have, you know, slow motion and eight different angles and three minutes to decide like you do, but we, we trust him more than you. I mean, think about that, because that's what this is. They've gone and upgraded, so we now have actual Premier League referees looking at the VAR, but they tell them, hey, just advise the guy on the field. And now he's going to waste more of our time and because we're all very insecure about the perception, we're going to say, hey, just just tell him to come look at it. Because then everybody will sort of fall for that. And they'll think that well, you know, the referee's really in charge. And of course, he jogs over there and the whole world knows it's going to be changed because I haven't seen the referee jog over to the screen this season or even, I don't think, last season and say, no, no, I disagree. It's a political thing. So the VAR guy is not allowed to do their job. And when they set this up uh, initially, and it was about to come in, I thought, well, you know, that could be good. Because I assumed, because of the modern world that I live in, I have a cell phone and a, a laptop and an iPad. Things happen quite quickly, and people can make very quick decisions, and the internet moves so quickly, and, you know, I can f find things out. And, in fact, I can make a decision sitting on my couch in Talbot, Tennessee as to whether a foul is a foul quicker than they can. So what, should maybe I be in charge? Because I can. And I don't care if that sounds arrogant. I can. And I'm not saying my decision's always right. But I can make a decision quicker. Much quicker. And I could do it whilst they're all running around smacking each other on the top of the heads because there's a goal being scored. L let me just do it during that period of time and not wait till everybody runs back to the halfway line, I'm still deciding, the referee's still standing, holding his ear on the field, and we have to wait another 30 seconds to a minute. Now, this is so far off where it was supposed to be. If the Football Association and the PGMOL, is that what it is called? Uh, if they really 
want the best for the game, they're going to have to look at this quickly because this is now the second season, at least, because it's even the third season of this, that people are getting really, really upset. And the Premier League in particular is very well respected worldwide. You know, I'm always amazed at the fact that I don't live near a major city. Knoxville is the closest city to me, and yet they have an Arsenal pub. They have a Manchester City pub. There's a Manchester United one, and there's a Liverpool one. And shortly there'll be a Spurs one. And that's in a small city in the United States, which is nowhere near England. And they don't have a pub for um, Nashville Soccer Club, who are in the MLS, who geographically are only three and a half hours away. People in Tennessee should really be following them, right? They're not. They couldn't give two hoots on the east side of Tennessee, what's going on in central Tennessee. They care about what's going on in England. And the conversations I have with people over here are really interesting because their perspective is very much worth listening to because they've grown up with VAR, in American football in particular, replays. And they can't believe what an absolutely woeful job the Premier League are doing with this sport that's not even in their continent, yet they love. And they don't say things like it's ruining it. They just say that it should be changed and changed quickly because they've seen a system that works far more efficient, which just makes you wonder, doesn't it? Why are they not doing that? So it's one or two reasons. A, they want it to stay this way because the bigwigs are making money of all of the, the talk and the fact that it's trending and, and the headlines that can be made and people are making money off that stuff. So it's either that or it's just that no one's got the balls to stand up to the old school refereeing system. And, you know, we got rid of, what's his name, um, Mike Riley. He's, he's leaving, and then, but we're getting Howard Webb. I mean, it might be different, but, I mean, the perception is he's probably part of the problem. So they, how hard are they really trying to change it? Well, I'm going to move away from that for just a second, talk about something else. Another rule of the game, so similar topic, I suppose, and that's what happened with Harry Maguire and Eddie Nketiah at the end of the game. Now, again, I want to be fair. Eddie Nketiah is running almost at full speed into the box, beautiful control and runs into a Harry Maguire who can't really get out of the way, and that's fair. But hold on a minute. I could have sworn when I was young there was this rule that I know is still in the rule book called an indirect free kick. And a free kick can be indirect if it's unintentional and direct if it's intentional. If it's direct in the box, of course, it's a penalty kick. But it's almost like somebody's got a sharpie and got rid of that rule. We don't have that anymore. But we do. It's in the rule book. But we don't. So what is it? Because 
you know, growing up, actually, you want some, some excitement and drama, back page headlines. Those indirect free kicks inside the penalty area, they were rather fun. You know, because the whole team lines up on the line, and that's what should have happened, I think. If not, then you give a penalty kick. It's one of those two. It's not nothing. I'm not sure that Harry Maguire could have got out of the way, but he did stop Eddie Nketiah in full flow from having a shot on goal, whether he meant to or not. So something has to happen. Something, surely. It's not Eddie Nketiah's fault. It's Harry Maguire's, if anything at all. Or it's indirectly his fault, which means you get an indirect free kick. Well, anyway, I feel pretty strongly about all of this. You, uh, you might be getting that vibe. Here's something else, sort of again, along the same lines. There were three moments in the game that I wish Arsenal could have back, in particular. One is the one I've just talked about, Eddie Nketiah being blocked on route to goal. Scott McTominay doing judo. I actually practised that move. Gosh, what was the name of that move? It's got a name. Well, you just grab somebody and just hurl them on the ground and you sort of fall on top of each other and then you get on top of them after just to make sure they don't get up. It's from the sport of judo and I can't remember. But, uh, and the third one anyway is the fact that Gabriel Jesus was fouled eight times. Eight times during that game and there wasn't a yellow card at any point for anybody. Hmm. Interesting. Well, my general thought around those three is Mikel Arteta has to get the team to understand how they can influence the decision of the referee. Not unfairly, but just like everybody else does. Let's take the second one. Scott McTominay doing his judo move. Well, I looked at that and I thought to myself after the rewatch that that's the kind of thing that happens on the football pitch that normally can incite a big ruckus, a crowd of people pushing and shoving. And because these referees always fall for the drama. You know, we've got Granite Xhaka who has the collapsible legs like that little toy. You know that little toy you press the bottom and the legs collapse? And they always fall for any kind of drama. You know, you're far more likely to get the call if you roll around or scream or throw your, your left hand in the air as if you need treatment instantly. Always. Well, we didn't do that. If we would have surrounded Scott McTominay with five or six players who were in the local area, giving him a little push, showed the referee and the whole world that that was very much wrong, then I bet you he's got a very fair chance of getting a red card. And if he doesn't get it for that incident that you've now brought to the referee's attention because you've caused a ruckus over it, then maybe he gets a red card because you've given him a little push on his shoulders and he's pushed you back and you can fall on the ground. And again, I don't like any of this stuff, but this is the stuff that 
you have to take advantage of the stupid people who are the referees that fall for all of this stuff. As soon as you introduce acting, you give them a reason to go to VAR, go to the screen, all these stupid things. So if this stupidity of even having VAR, I'm going to get onto that in a minute, if that's going to remain in football, then shouldn't we be doing what everybody else is doing and taking advantage of that? Because Scott McTominay could easily have been goaded into a red card there. Okay, now I want to finish with these thoughts. Is back to VAR, is it making football better? We were told that it would. And of course, there's an argument, if done correctly, that it should. I would chuck the whole thing in the bin. I don't care whether they make it better, faster, bin it. I'll tell you why. Maybe my perspective is a little different. Being a Brit living over here, uh, I get into arguments about this more than any other topic, which is comparing football to the American sports. I stick up for football. Which one's better? I love to have that argument. You know, most of the sports over here are slower. American football is slower because of TV timeouts and stop and start plays and everything being orchestrated. I still like it, to be fair. Baseball's definitely slower. And basketball is the one that I always pick on. Basketball is like Christmas every day. It's a fun sport if you watch a high school game because those guys aren't as good. And I find basketball to be at the professional level just too easy for those guys. Way too easy to score points. So it's like Christmas every day for me. And so I don't find that very entertaining. I don't want Christmas every day. I want it on December the 25th. And that's it. Now, my argument is that football is like Christmas once a year. And there's all this emotion. And whether you're at the game or on the couch or in the pub, there's so much emotion and then it it wells up in you and it expands and your brain starts burning and then all of a sudden there's this release of energy when the ball goes in the back of the net and that may well be, as we all know, the only time in the whole spectacle that that happens. And as a fan, you know that. So you let it all out. Oh, now hold on, you don't. Don't do that anymore, right? We're not allowed to do that because we feel stupid to do that because there's this thing called VAR which makes us hold back. So we sort of celebrate or we go crazy, then we stop and wonder, should I wait for a second? Should I wait for that man in that room who's not respected by that man on the field and then he's got a jog over there? So, at least for me, my argument that football is a better sport because it's Christmas once a year and then this being so irritating, having people say to me, well, it's sort of like, you know, you go down for Christmas, about to open the presents, and then your mum says you've got to brush your teeth and clean your room before she could go back upstairs. And 
she sort of ruins Christmas when she does that. My mum did that, by the way. And so I know that. And that's what's going on with football. This glorious sport, most popular team sport in the world. Always has been, probably always will be, unless they ruin it. And it's almost like they're trying to. By introducing this system where you cannot fully celebrate the one moment that you're there for. They've killed it. So, I've seen both sides, and so have you. I've seen the majority of my life, the sport being imperfect, I accepted it, get angry, talk about it, have banter with my friends, and ultimately, I'm accepting of that, and I'm certainly preferring that to this. Because I don't want to have my sport interrupted for between one to three to four minutes by people deciding if I should be happy. And it's getting old. And something has to happen. Because I don't know if I'm articulating your thoughts, but I'm darn sure I'm not the only football supporter on the planet that pauses after every goal for every team that I'm watching on that day, wondering if I should really celebrate. And boy, oh boy, as frustrated as I am about what happened to Martinelli today, I really felt for McAllister from Brighton. Scored the greatest goal of his career. Might have won goal of the season. But he had to wait two minutes to find out if he needed to be happy or not. And... I'm not even where someone like Gunner Blog is right now, where I get to experience the in-game experience, the supporter experience of completely losing your mind, because I know that is so much more of a release than being on the couch with your 12-year-old son, because you've got all these people around you, and you're just dying to give them a hug and jump all over them, and go nuts and have this communal enjoyment. So it's even worse if you go to the game. And I wish that people who've been fans, forget about people that have played the game or coached the game or been an administrator in the game, I wish one day a group of fans are allowed to make these decisions because they're the ones that keep this game alive and they're the ones that are being affected by the stupidity of your mother telling you to go upstairs, brush your teeth, clean your room because Christmas is not ready to happen just yet. I'll see you. Cheers.